Anderson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic's great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wurzlow. Got it out to a oh. kick, kick smothered, check, Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Kicks inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a player. The premiers of 1992. The 1994 Keys, we're not going to talk the Geelong game too much today, but we are going to talk season in review. Uh, maybe a quick one line, two line. It was much of a muchness. Bailey Williams was all right. Was there anything else even to take out of that Cats game? Uh, no, it was over. It's yeah, over. Course. It's done. We, it's You know, if if the Eagles were in the Melbourne Cup, there'd be a sheep pulled up around them and that'd be it. It's just... It's, it's actually... It's a relief yeah. as much as anything, I think, for me. It's like, okay, well, that's that's it. It's done and we can yeah, hopefully put this year behind us and um, and look forward to, to what might be become because I, I think and I fucking hope so that that was, that was the low point and it's only up from here. You'd really so, hope so. It's, it's yeah. a very low bar if we're going to get worse than what we just sat through for the last four months. No, no doubt. No doubt at all. And I suppose that'll be the theme of this week's episode is more of a season in review and, and sort of what did we learn? What have we taken away from the season? Of course, it was a terrible season and we, we will sink the boots in it a few times this episode, but I'm always, I always skew optimistic. I'm always, you know, ridiculously looking for the silver linings on the darkest clouds. So it'll be sort of what did we learn? What can we take away? And maybe what can we build on after an absolute horror year? Uh, jump in the comments though, guys, as always, we'd love to have your feedback on the show, on the topics, you know, we'll throw a few sort of season award style concepts around. So if you've got some some feedback or a player you like, something you learned, please let us know. All the usual plugs as well. We're on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook, all that good stuff. We're on the podcast apps. We're on Spotify. And uh, yeah, there'll be plenty more content coming throughout the off season because Lord knows the Eagles have a good draft pick and a bit of work to do. But with that case, let's get stuck in. So season in review, Keys. How do we want to approach this? I've sort of uh, put some notes out, I guess, in my head in terms of line by line. So we might as well do that if, if you're happy to go with that. Yep. And yeah, line uh, line. if we start back to front, we sort of bandied around the idea of do we do best player or do we do, you know, what are our big takeaways? I think the only consensus amongst the West Coast Eagles fan base at the moment is that Tom Brass is a star. So we've talked about him ad nauseum on the show, but it is impossible to take away from the year anything other than Tom Parras is really, really bloody good. Now, he didn't make the All-Australian team, unfortunately. Did get in the squad, which was nice. Uh, but if we're talking what we've learned, I'll tell you what, Harry Edwards over this last little stretch has shown me some signs. He's a rookie, you know, he's a, he's a guy that was initially from the rookie list and he actually might even still be on the rookie list. I'm not too sure there, Keys, but it's a project player, a project big, and he's turning into something where, you know what, there's some glimpses on the back end of this season where I think, Barras Edwards might be the key back pairing. Maybe that frees up Gov to do something else. Maybe it frees up Gov to explore a trade, that sort of thing. But I, if we're talking what we learned, Harry Edwards back into the season gave me a lot of hope, Keys. Yeah, there was. I think he's, he's starting to find starting to find the feet. Um, 
he he was a rookie, but he is on the main list now. Now, okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I somewhere on the, during the week on the board, someone I might have been on Twitter, I forget which, put up a stat. And Edwards is only about the same age now as when you know Gov first started playing, and you know when you look at guys like McGovern, even Barass, um, you know go back to McKenzie and Glass. Edwards is still actually is still actually pretty young, um, and I think people forget that when he was playing as a um, when he was playing as a seventy year old, he was about one hundred and eighty centimeters. This plays a midfielder, and then like you know, he's he's grown in the space of two two or so years. He's grown like 20, 20 25 centimeters. So um, I think he's still he's still sort of getting used to where his body is. So. Um, it looks like it at times as well, unfortunately. But oh yeah, I mean, at it, other times, it you know, like, it looks like a giraffe on roller skates. <laughs> um, but you know, there's sort of there's something there to work with. I mean, I don't know that. I think it's being ambitious if you're sort of saying he's going to get to the level. Of, we've got a really long lineage of oh. superstar key key defenders. Yes. but he's showing he's showing the signs that he could be at least a serviceable one. Sorry, Bombard's just come through on. Uh, this is big footy user Bombard. He's watching us on Twitch, so do join us on Twitch as well if you can. It's a late run at comment of the year. We're talking Harry Edwards. He looks like a sweaty octopus trying to unhook a bra. <laughs> I tell you what, that's Bombard coming through with the goods. Comment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so some signs late. I think, yeah, I think Brass. I mean, I've got Brass was robbed as my name, but hmm. I think possibly. Um, I think if he had played the first half of the year as well as he finished, he yeah. would have been he would have been named captain. Um, but you know he had a really good year. It's the sort of thing where I think it was the first time he's named in a squad, so it sets him up for a, a proper run in all Australia next year. Uh, he grew, and I think I could probably count on one hand the number of players who could you could say would be happy with mm. their year from a personal level. I'm sure if you asked Tommy Brass, he'd be disappointed because the team didn't do well. But from a personal level, he he would be happy to say, "Look, I had a good year," mm. and I reckon he's he's got very few mates yeah. in in That's... that. Um, so he he was one of the very few highlights we had from this year. Um, I think um, Jones took some really good strides in the back half of the year as a rebounding halfback. Mm. He has to work on his disposal and and his decision making. It's that for me. It's the gap between his best and worst because he's he's shown glimpses of being the best kick in the team, but once yeah. a game, and it, it's yeah. usually I think a that's, turnover um, as well. I had had some people sort. Of, I've read comments to say, well, you know, that's that's partly a product of the guys up the field not providing him options and things like that. And I think there's Perhaps. there's there's some truth to that. And I think it's he's still he hasn't played half back until halfway through this year, mm. so mm. he's still learning to caper. And I think. Um, and I, I would imagine his teammates are learning how to read his cues and things like that as well because um, he does look like he gets shot out of the cannon sometimes without having any clue what he's fucking doing or where he's going. He just goes, oh, run. And then it's yeah. just like, oh, well, fucking now what? And he gets himself into trouble where he sort of doesn't quite know what he's doing and no one else does either. Mm. Um, but I think there's – I mean, I thought Adam Sard was named All-Australian this afternoon tonight as a halfback. Mm. Mm. And I reckon that Jones could could be our version of Adam Sard um, with a bit of experience, and he's got he's, he's now got an off season to actually work on it and, yeah. and uh, do it. So I think he he's one that 
um, along with Barras, I'd sort of take. And, and if we go back before um, Dumfries' rib injury, I think mm. there was, you know, he, he was sort of at or close to his All-Australian form as well. So, um, you know, we've got we've got a bit to look forward to in the in the back line and we've got, you know, hopefully Cole to come back and, and play. Yeah. I thought... I thought Duggan had a good game against Geelong as well. He's had an all right couple of weeks as well. Derby was pretty yeah. good from him as well. Yeah. Rounding out some chat around the back line, we, sorry, we've got a comment from Kim with regards to the medical team, and we will definitely get into that because that I want to talk organisationally when we get to the end of this sort of segment, um, and that is a big one. That's undeniably a big one, the medical team. Uh, Moss saying that he wants to see Barras take control of the defensive 50 and push Hearn and Govan uh, around, and, and look, we're going to have to move Hearn on eventually. It looks like it's not going to be this off-season, but there is a shape to that back line that I'm really quite pleased with. I guess the one thing, Jermaine Jones, like you said, Elliot Yo, I'd love to see him become a halfback because I don't. I think we only got it for a fortnight, but there was a game or a game and a half, something like that, the two of them driving off halfback, and Yo can be reckless as well. There's something refreshing about that. Just get it and just get it gone. Like, let's move it along. They're all quick guys. They can kick. They can break the line. Let's get it moving. I, I think the Yo-Jones combination, and just on Cole, because you mentioned Cole there, sort of final thoughts on the back line. I'll give him a crack at it, and I, I do like Tom Cole. We badly need a lockdown small defender. And I think, who doesn't? I think most clubs would want one, but the times we got burned by just small after small after small, after, we need a lockdown small. Yeah, I think Cole's, um, Cole's the one best suited for that. Mm, he'll get um, first shot for sure. Yeah, or or alternatively, with Cole coming back into the side, um, maybe maybe we look to Duggan and just say, look, you you now are going to be your roles as, as a lockdown mm. on a small. I don't know the problem with Duggan is I don't know he's quick enough to play on the on the on the genuinely small forwards. Whereas as much as it's a running joke on big footy that Cole's slow, I don't think he's near as slow as what people make fun of. Um, so I think uh, yeah, Cole's probably got to be that that guy um, that plays as a lockdown because yeah, we don't have any op- options. Foley's fail. It looks like we've trialled Foley in that role and he's he's not it. Um, not as I a mean, lockdown, not yet. Not, not no, Foley's, yet. you know, there's a long list of people I'm disappointed. Foley's one of them. I don't. He, he showed glimpses since 2021 that he might he be. He played 16 games this year. That blew me away yeah. when I found that out. Yeah, he showed glimpses last year as my he's completely completely anonymous out there. Mm. Um, I've always joked, even when I used to go to training, he used to be always the guy that I would never ever recognise properly, and he was just like the anonymous eagle. Um, and he played like it this year. He was, he was, he's never, he wasn't a, he wasn't like a superstar going in, but he was one guy I thought that might be able to build, and mm. he never, mm. and, and he. Uh, Basically, the whole side regressed, but he regressed further than most. Look, I'm happy to move on to the mids, Keys, if you are as well. And Just while we're doing what we've learned, I'll start again, as I love to do, with the positives. Cully, we have lots of high hopes for Cully. I posted on the board this week, we have no idea what his ceiling is yet. He's played, what, was he played? Four games? Three and a half games? Four games, but yeah. His floor seems to be, floor as in minimum, not as in defect, his floor seems to be stick him in the 22 and you will get seven plus tackles from a guy. I think he had another 10 on the weekend and he wasn't up to speed. You could see that his stamina wasn't there. He was blowing by the end of that game. Still got 10 tackles. So, you know, this is a guy that you can just sort of, 
we're in a luxurious position if he becomes our worst midfielder and you can just rely on him to be a contested beast because he's, he's yeah. just a prick out there when somebody else has the ball. It's incredible. He's he's a, he's a disruptor. Hmm. Like he gets in the way. He's got the body size to do it. He does. He's um, long, yes. Yeah. And I think as much as him, the the, the elbow that got him suspended was, hmm. was pretty ordinary and it's something he needs to get rid of. Very much so. The one... If there is a positive to come from a guy elbowing another bloke in the jaw, um, it shows me that he's got um, he doesn't like losing and he can get angry. And I think we need we need more guys like that. I mean, the best yo is an angry yo. Hundred mm, percent. You know, I mean, and and there's a there's a level when you get a guy like that, you've got to make sure there's anger and then there's going overboard like he did with the elbow. Yeah. But you want guys to play on that on the edge. The great thing about the Hawthorne sides. From that in that run of theirs from two thousand was those that unsociable hot side, and they you know they played on that edge, and sometimes they went over it. But um, you need guys like that out in the field. You need guys that you know have got a real competitive instinct because they help drive the the rest of the side. And I think he's got that. Um, you know, a, a full preseason into him. Um, yeah, he's like you say, he's. You know, the baseline that we could expect from him is a pretty solid player. Mm. And, you know, maybe he, he can become a he become a bit more. But, you know, we haven't had – we've missed Yo in that middle of the ground as a real strong body throwing his weight around. Mm. Um, and if we're going to say, I oh, like, like what you said, Yo off half-back, if we're going to play Yo off half-back, well, then we need that guy in the middle to, you know, to go in and – you know, you get guys like Oliver and Petrarca and Bontempelli and, and these sorts of guys. You need someone that's going to go in there and smack into them. Mm. And, well, that was and not... the Yo-Martin matchup was always stick Yo on him. Yeah. Bontempelli, yep. stick Yo on him. Piss him off, you know, get in there. Um, look, while we're talking some of the younger players in the midfield, Hoff to the wing, big tick, sort of a half-back initially, and he played more games this year, Keys, than I think you or I would have thought he would have in a, in a normal season, all things being equal. But, boy, he looked good. And, yeah, he might have hit a bit of a wall on the back end of the season, but he's a twig and he's a child and he's only going to get better. Uh, and Xavier O'Neill's another one. Took the opportunity. Honestly, probably deserved a few more, particularly early on in the season. Uh, but he's one that's turned my opinion from, look, he's going to meekly play out the end of his contract and we'll never see him again. Now I actually think, yeah, this guy could be part of the midfield rotation for a while. So I, I like seeing that from the younger guys. Some of the veterans, that's where the discussion, I suppose, is going to head going forward, is how do they then knock out the veterans of the team? Yeah, I think, yeah, Hoff, you would have got really good money when he was drafted, that that little skinny, pimply kid from Peel that looked like he'd been dragged out of the under-12s would play 15 games his first year. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I think towards the back end of the year, it sort of showed that, that the toll of the of that was, was, was showing. Um, but as skinny as he is, I never saw him shirk a contest. Mm. Um, when he got moved up into midfield, he's actually quite good in traffic. Loves taking people on. Um, you know, he's, he's nimble. He's, he's got, he's not express pace, but he's he's quick enough. Um, and his ball use is is good, and I think he'll only get better. Um, so he was, he was the highlight of the year, mm. one of them. So he was good. Um, and yeah, O'Neill was sort of the back end. I think he had a he had an injury. Sort of before the boy, yes, yeah, um, around six, seven, eight, somewhere around there. Yeah, which sort of held him back a bit. He got, he was unlucky. I think he had a good game against Collingwood, then got dropped, which was yep. you know a really big sticking point and a and where the club was 
quite rightly criticised pretty heavily at the time for, for dropping him. Mm. Um, I think he's never going to be a... I don't think he'll ever be a first-choice midfielder. Um, I think he's capable of being a like a sixth, sixth rotation, like a sixth-best midfielder, um, or a guy that... A bit like what... Different player to Hutchings, but a bit That's like, exactly, yeah. Uh, a bit like Hutchings was, whereas a guy that you can bring into the side, if someone's in, if one of your main guys is um, is injured, you can bring him in and know you're not going to get a big drop off. Mostly you're saying maybe he's like Braun. Yeah, yeah, I think Brawny was a, he's, he's a different he beast again because he just ran, he was, he was, he was a master, he was Maston before Maston was cool, um, <laughs> where he's just run and run and run and run, you know, so, um, but I think, and I think O'Neill's probably a bit better. He's probably a bit more inside than what Braun was. I mean, Braun mm. had the luxury of we had Cousins and Jardin Kerr, and so he could afford to just sit out on the wing um, and be an outlet running guy. Whereas that O'Neill's, but he's actually quite good in traffic, and he's quicker than I think we that yeah. we thought he might have been. Bit of burst, um, yeah. So he he's um again he, he's. He's got work to do, but now he's sort of start. He's still only played twenty five games, mm. um, so he's got he's still got a bit of growth in him, even though he's been in the system for four four years now, I think. So um, he'll be one that you know another good preseason, and he'll be knocking on the door to start moving. And you touched on it; these older guys that we need to start, we need to start relying on less and actually moving them out of side. So. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's Gaff and it's Redden and Shuey. They're the three guys that um, we need to be facing out. Um, and I think most many supporters will have concerns whether or not the selection committee is going to be brave enough to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to be, but it's also incumbent on the guys underneath them to actually put the put the work in to put the genuine pressure on to make it really hard decision for the match committee to. to um, to pick those senior guys next year. They can't expect that they get in just because they're kids. But if you're getting a 6 out of 10 from Hoff, let's say, doesn't matter who, Hoff, let's say, and a 7 out of 10 from Redden, the match committee needs to be self-aware enough to know that, okay, the value in that pick is is Hoff there because yeah. we're obviously not playing for our immediate future at the moment. Now, I will say this. I, I had this down as sort of like a coaching point for a little bit later on, but let's talk about it now for midfield. Redden's role changed significantly down the stretch. He only really started getting centre bounces again after everybody was out, you know, after we had really no players left. Gaff had a few games where he was on half-forward flank. Shuey had a couple of games on flanks. Not enough by any stretch, not enough. And they were way too reliant. Even if you look at our distribution against Geelong, I don't know that there's any real long-term takeaway from that game. I think they were just trying to survive it and get through. But it was shooey, really shooey heavy, very red and heavy in terms of our centre bounce attendances. But shooey needs to go to a half-forward flank. Sheed has to come back into this side. He's always worked well more outside, you know, rotating on the flank. Kelly, we've seen even spend, you know, Kelly in game spent a few little moments on the flank here and there this year. There is a rotation there where you do not need to keep the same four guys in the middle time and time and time and time again. You know, most clubs run six or seven deep in the midfield. We didn't get the luxury of doing that, but there is no reason why Kelly, Cully, Shuey, you know, you throw Rioli in there, you throw whoever, you know, maybe Chesser or whoever our pick is or things like that. There's no reason why the rotation has to be the same four midfielders and a couple of rucks the whole time. They need to work out that distribution going forward. And Redden's been pretty open that he's probably going to play some waffle games. Gaff is the big elephant in the room. And that, 
he's been my most frustrating player by far. We'll get onto another one coming up as well when we talk forward line. But Gaff, I think they're wed to. I think they think he's still got better footy in him. Shuey needs to be self-aware enough and the match committee need to be smart enough to say, you're playing in the middle a little bit, you're playing on the flank a little bit, and, you know, rotate these guys through because we can't have Shuey playing 70% game time but exclusively as a mid. It's just not working and it's just not going to be good for our development long-term. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I think, yeah, Gaff, I don't know. I think my my real hope with Gaff is he's playing injured and I know people are... Um, have been critical. Like if he was injured, why why is he been playing? Mm. I think we're just trying to get through the season. And we're looking at guys with a bit of experience to, to sort of help shield the young kids a little bit. Um, I'm really encouraged by what I'm read from Redden in his comments, saying basically he's, he's basically he's almost consigned himself to, to playing waffle. Um, and I think that'll be that'll be a massive help for us. I like. To be honest, I think if Redden can have a good year in the in the waffle and maybe play a few games of AFL as a backup, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be at all upset if we played kept him on the list for for another year after next year. Do you know um, what? Making the waffle not a laughing stock, and I'm not saying Redden is the difference between that or not, but yeah. making the waffle a competitive footy is better for a developing side. Yeah, you know we can't so, have these hundred point turn up and have a kick game. So, That's fine. Yeah. So I'm really glad. I really like Redden's attitude. Um, I just don't know. I just don't know where we sit with Gaff and to a lesser extent Shuey. I think Shuey has to. It's a discussion for another time. Really, Shuey has to relinquish the captaincy because I don't think that's the best thing for him is to be captain. Um, but we need we need to work a way of of getting these other guys through. So so if we get to next year, the thing we'd say someone like Gaff, if he's not a hundred percent, he doesn't play. Mm. You know, we've got to move away from there's there's reasons for it this year and I understand that. But if a guy's not if we've got somewhere near a fully fit squad, you're not playing guys who aren't you know, hundred percent or you know, ninety percent plus and I reckon that I think Gaff's been running out in games where he's probably been lucky if he's seventy five percent fit. And mm. at AFL level you just get you just get crucified for that and we've seen him struggle um all year with that. Um whilst we're on the mids or we'll pivot into the rucks. Yeah. Um, probably one of Bailey Williams's best games on the weekend against Geelong um, gave me confidence that maybe there's a. I think he had a. There was another game. I think it might have been St Kilda where he had a pretty decent game as well. Might be wrong with that. There was another. There was one game when Nick was out where he actually had a. Yeah, that was against Marshall, and that was yeah. I remember having a takeaway from that game. Yeah, yeah, it might have been it. Yeah, it was a half decent sort of game. So I think. Oh, it was because Marshall kept jumping into him and giving away the free. So he ended up with. Five or six clearances because Marshall kept he was doing pretty well in the actual ruck battle. So I think there's something there to work with with Williams. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what he actually seemed to take a few marks around the ground. Yep. Um, and you know Nick, I think he's had his operation on his knees. I saw Simpson on the news tonight saying it was a fairly minor clean out, and they expect mm. him to be back running in about three or four weeks. I hope that's right, Nick. <laughs> I don't quite. I understand why Nick's a little bit heavier. He can't do the running because his knees are pretty much mm. cooked. Um, but he does need to lose. He, he does need to lose a bit of weight. He does look heavy. He needs to get himself. He needs to get his body right. He needs to get fit. I mean, his knees are always. They're going to be an ongoing issue. He's stuck with those. Yeah. Um, but he needs to needs to lose weight. You know, he's going to be signed on for next year. I was hopeful that he might have two more years in him. I'm increasing. I think next year might be his last. Um, 
yeah, Williams, yeah, he got beaten in the ruck. Um, and I think that's where, um, yeah, Williams needs to get better. And I think that's why I think in the off season we'll be looking for, we'll be looking for another mature, you know, another ruck in his mid twenties. I have this down. Get on the ruck carousel. You know, the Vardy or the Hickey yeah. or just take a punt on a yeah. body. Yeah, I think the name that sort of comes up pretty regularly on our board is Lloyd Meek because, Meek, yeah. um, you know, there's, if Jackson goes to Fremantle, then, you know, where does Meek sit in the pecking order at Fremantle? I think he's gettable. Um, so, you know, and Williams and Jamison, you know, they have a, another year in the gym and get a bit, you know, stronger and things like that. Well, yeah, maybe, but we need to find a, a way to get life to post Nick, I just hope. I hope for Nick's sake that he can get his body right and he can have mm. a good year. Um, Do you know what, selfishly, I hope, I hope for the fans' sake because it's just fun watching him play and we don't have a lot of fun players at the moment. Yeah, and I, I just, I, I think, you know, Nick bleeds for the club and I'd hate mm. to see him limp out of the competition. You know, you look at the way sort of, kind of like Kennedy, sort of, he had a pretty, he had a pretty decent year, went out on a high. I'd like to sort of hope that Nick sort of goes out on a, on some sort of a high, but, but the ruck is, we need to, we need to do that and we need our mids to learn to play in the midfield to a, um, to a losing ruck. I think that's the downside of having someone like Nick in there. Hmm. Um, I think the midfielders get lazy, um, playing to a, to a winning ruck or a guy that we think is going to win more than he loses. So, I think that's. I don't have anything much more on the the mids. You're welcome. To... Sheed will be a good addition back. I think we. Yes. People bitch about Sheed, but I think he's. I mean, he showed that one game back. What he have twenty five, thirty possessions or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, we miss him because his 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 delivery in the forward line is actually very good, especially if he gets time and space. Yeah, it's all about how they distribute the midfield minutes next year for me, and and that's going to be the challenge, I guess. Some people have more faith than others that it, it will go one way or it will go the other way in terms of can they phase out the old guard or are they a little bit too wed to them? Obviously, we've seen them be wed to a very core group of players for a long time. So it's in everyone's best interest that they sort of move along with that. Look, one one thing I will say, last point in the midfield, the contested game is something that people have asked for for a lot. Uh, you know, they talked about 2018, we were really good in the finals, but almost out of the blue in terms of our contested footy. I will say this, look, we were last in tackling last year. I think we were 17th the year before. We're eighth this year in terms of average tackles per game. Now, that's not a catch-all metric of how good you are at tackling, but we've moved up from last to eighth. We're kind of, you know, in the top half. We added 10 tackles a game, which is massive in the tackle stat. That might not seem like a lot, but that is massive in the tackle stat. The pressure rating, if you put any stock into all those champion data pressure ratings, whatever it might be, they're even talking about, you know, the Eagles were the best in the comp over the last month or six weeks or whatever in the pressure rating. So there's signs there and there has been in the last few weeks or in the last month, whatever it might be, you know, setting new benchmarks for tackling. Instead of having games where we had 27 tackles a game, 35 tackles a game, we were having 75, 80, 85, things like that. So the back end of the season, particularly post-buy, but even more so to the last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of contested footy played. I can see it happening. You think about the guys we brought in in terms of Knights and Schofield and those sorts of guys, Cully coming in, you know, some new mids, some new legs in there. I, I kind of have, I have hope that the system is changing in terms of how they approach the midfield. Whether personnel changes or not, that's going to be the next thing to watch. Yeah, um, I've heard Knights and Schofield do radio interviews in the last two or three weeks, and I think also Simpson, but particularly the two assistants, who have specifically said that one of their focuses has been they wanted to, they, the game has moved 
to a more contested tackling style game, and that's where they want to head. And then, like you say, I think in the back end of the season, we actually started to see um, that that sort of evolving and us becoming a more contested, physical, pressured type side. Um, another pre-season, you know, that takes another step. And I think um, as much as we don't want to use COVID and injuries and things like that in the first half of the year as too much of a crutch as, of, as an excuse to explain how bad our season was, I think the implementation of, of a game plan really took a blow because we just couldn't train it. We had enough. There's one thing with players not being available to play and have not having the person out on the ground on, on the weekend. What doesn't get recognised is if the guys aren't playing, they're also not training. And there's things you want to work on as a team and get systems in that just go, that doesn't happen. And the first half of the year, the first part of that season, we were just we Turning were up, hope for the best. We were trying to swim in an open ocean with a tied to bricks, <laughs> and we were just trying. We were trying just simply and failing sometimes not to drown. Mm. Um, you know, and all the work they're trying. I mean, I think we talked in one of the pods one time. The numbers on the track at training were just dismal. You know, you can't you can't work on anything. So under the forwards, eh? On to the forwards. Look, this is a little bit of a, a quicker group, I suppose, for me, because what did we learn? Well, I mean, Kennedy was still such a focal point, and even up the last game, I know, was a bit of a, a bit of a piss take, to be honest, with how they were looking for him. But obviously, Kennedy was still a focal point for the offensive side of this team. I will say, Jack Darling, we've done all the preseason stuff. Who cares? His season, once he actually got out on the track and especially got a, a little bit of running under his legs, a few games under his legs, he had that six-goal game. He had a four-goal game. His goal numbers aren't that good, but you've got to think, you know, he's playing in a side that was scoring 20, 30, 40 points a game for most of the season in that front half. So, you know, in terms of his goal average, 1.6 a game, not great, but I've got a lot of faith in Jack Darling as the 1A of the of the forward line. Obviously, we need to see Allen fit, but I think that pairing's going to be okay. Josh Kennedy's irreplaceable, but I think we're in a better spot than most clubs would be to sort of cushion the blow. The other one that I'm interested in, though, Kays, is Waterman because he showed glimpses as a leading forward. He had his moments, and he, he has had moments again and again and again, but couldn't quite find the role. That half-forward flank gut runner up and back wasn't seeming to be it. He played less down back this year. I feel like he's played down back a lot more in years gone by, so I'm still not 100% sure where he fits. And if you're telling me we're playing Nick Nat and Bailey Williams or you know Nick Nat and a, a, another veteran body that we're going to bring in you've got to think that Nick's going to start spending some time resting forward or maybe the other ruck does I'm not quite sure yet if I've figured out where Waterman fits I am pretty comfortable with Darling and Allen to lead the line otherwise yeah Darling and Allen I think um real real um shame that Allen missed the season Mm. I think you look at um we talked about all Australian a little bit just off the top same Sam Taylor was in the same side um, under 18 side as um, as Allen, um, Taylor just had the sort of year as a defender as I think we hoped Allen was going to have as a forward coming into this season, like a real breakout year. Um, and if you go back and you look at the noises coming out of the club in January of this year, so much of it was about how Allen was just tearing the place apart yeah. and how big a year he's going to have. And then he got that stretch factor and just fucked his season. Um, so he's one that, unfortunately, he has he's had a year out of the game, so he hasn't had that experience. 
but he's had a year watch. He's been sitting on the bench. He's been helping with coaches. He's been at waffle level, helping the coach, the Beagles and things like that. So I'm hopeful that he's learnt a lot about the game and, and things like that that he can then start to put into practice. I hope his foot's good. I mean, we mm. haven't really heard um, anything at all from the club about how he's travelling and how his recovery is. I mean, he was ruled out sort of mid-season. It's like, well, his foot's fucked, so we put him in cotton wool. The initial, um, by the way, the initial injury was, uh, look, he's sore and we f- we're hoping he'll be right by around, I think week three or four was the initial target, maybe something like yeah. that. And then Adjusted. season, yeah. done. See you later. So I I don't know how he's travelling. I don't know if it's settled down or anything like that. Mm. Um, I hope it's good, but we just, yeah. we just don't know. Um, he'll be... He can take a he can take a good mark in a pack. You know, we saw him when he was playing like last year. You know, crash packs and hold on the marks and things like that. Um, I hope he spent a fair bit of time in the gym, so he's mm. got his upper body strength looking pretty good. Uh, but with that, yeah, I don't know where Waterman's right on the edge. He's not really a tall. He's not really a small. With you know, he's sort of. I did hear we're not. Schofield did say on the radio on Saturday when I heard him say how he was pretty pleased with Waterman and mm. mentioned the, the job he did on Brennan Cox in the derby as a defensive forward, yep. um, which, uh, you know, if they're using him as that, that's you know, that, that was kind of like, okay, well, if that's what they're doing with him. The problem with being a defensive forward is as fans, when you're watching the game, kind of you miss that. You don't yeah. really pick it up. And it looks like, oh, geez, you had seven kicks and kicked a goal too. And, you know, you look at the stats and go, geez, you had a pretty shit game. But from a from a, a, a role point of view, maybe he played his role really well. Really well. Um, mm. So, uh, yeah, he's just, he's just right in the ledge. I don't know if he's necessarily in our best side. I think I kind of like the idea of, if we've just got Alan Darling, I kind of like the idea of, of running with a smaller forward line, like with the likes of Ryan and Rioli. If we're going to play Shuey off half forward, we've yeah. still got Crips, we've still got Crips in there. Um, I hope Petrocelli gets his hamstrings right because I still yeah. have, I still have, I'm still holding on to hope that um, we can see more of the good Petrocelli. He's still- shown plenty, you know, his best when, game, when he, but again, you know, it's had- it's. Good game, Hammy. Good game, yeah. Hammy. <laughs> I mean, he's if he can if he can play what we've seen of Petrocelli at his best. If he can do that consistently, he's all Australian small forward. <laughs> but it's a massive if because we when I say when I say consistently, he's got a he hits his best about fifteen to twenty percent of the time he's out on the ground. So mm-hmm. he's got to go from fifteen to twenty percent to eighty to ninety percent of hitting his. Capability, so it's a massive. It's a and, a, and I'm not convinced he's going to ever get over his hamstrings. And I, yeah, I'm not being someone, flippant, but 80 percent of games I would settle for, let alone his output in the games. Yeah, it's not his fault, someone, he, but he just can't get right. Yeah, for someone who's whose who's game is built around his pace, mm. if his hamstrings can't hold up, well, then he's fucking useless. So mm. um, I have hopes. I don't have necessarily the expectation, but he's a guy that, and I'm not. I can't remember. Was it? I think it might have actually been last year against St Kilda. Where he kicked four, about four goals in the first half, and he kept taking marks all over the ground. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was doing. It was last year. I mm. think he's hemi mm. in the third quarter or something fucking stupid, and we lost the game. But that's the sort of level he can play at. If he can do that, he's 
he's a 40 to 45 goal a year small forward and that is that is on the level that is on the edge of being all Australian so he's got it in him if he can if he can unlock the cheat code to do it consistently um now if he comes good Ryan becomes properly interested and invested in the game week in week out same with Rioli if we actually get him to sign a new contract mm. um Cripps is saying this year that he's still going to be um He's still going to be in the side at least next year. So you've got Cripps, Ryan, Rioli, and Petrucelli, Allen and Darling. Allen, there isn't, Allen, there's no, there's not a spot for Waterman in that side. Mm. So that's the, that's the problem for, for Waterman. And I, um, I think we'll get to it. Like, there's talk that there might be one or two players maybe asking for a trade. I think Waterman might be one of them. The other one that I'm, I'm, almost, I'm I wouldn't surprise me in the least is is Rotham. So that's another one that I had down to talk to about as a forward because he's is he a forward now? Or are we just rolling the dice? We've never quite found a role for him to to sell it I, down. He's not, you know. I don't know what he is anymore, no. and that's why I think he might ask for a trade. I think it's it's a shame because I think there's a better footballer there than what we've seen. Mm. We've just not we've just not found it. His best position, he's lost confidence and he's frustrated and things like that. So I wouldn't be surprised at all. And I think it might be better for him if he does ask for a trade because I think it'll be one of the few players that happens where he shifts club and actually um, you go, oh, shit, I wish we had held on to him because he, at another club I think he might do well. Um, and again, I don't know I don't know what position he has if he stays. So um, building on that, this is a guy I forgot to mention when we were talking about the, the back line <laughs> comment coming through saying that we've branded Rotham. Well, that's quite fitting because obviously <laughs> the, the twins there coming in and going out the same way. Uh, Bazo, I forgot to mention Bazo and how comfortable he looked. Obviously made his debut after the bye, but when we were talking defenders, it almost speaks to how good or how comfortable his season was. I've sort of forgotten about him. You know, he's, what is he, 19? Yeah. You know, yeah. a bit of a not a hail mary pick, but not not by no means a top ten pick or anything. Looks comfy as has immediately pushed Rotham out of any consideration of that role. You know, when you yeah. talk about guys like Foley or Witherden, I'm, I'm expecting him to be delisted, but we'll wait and see. Those sorts of guys, I'd have Bazza win over them seven days out of seven. You know, uh, and Bazza, so where where, yeah. where does that leave Rotham? Is he now a forward? Is he, is he a weird ruck? forward combination i know that was probably more of a desperation move than anything but yeah it's it's i again maybe a guy that it's not specifically his fault or it's not exclusively his fault you know obviously you can control what you can control in terms of your game but it just hasn't clicked for him and i don't really see where it's going yeah so yeah and then forwards you know there's just not i think that that's it i think um langdon i know the club seem to like him i don't doesn't seem to (laughs) Doesn't seem to give a hell of, you know, when he's out there, he's sort of like, what's he doing? Um, a little bit like what I was touched on. I think, he gives a shit. I think, yeah, I think, I think, tackling tackling is good. I think, I think he's in, I think that maybe he does, um, more in relation to what his role is than what we see, and I think that's why it gets played, and I think we. Historically, we always – and it seems to be guys that wear number seven, funnily enough, <laughs> um, that they get given a role that, you know, is, is hard to define and it's hard to see what it is they actually do and what they bring. So it's easy to criticise them. I think he plays in a spot where you need to generate some spark from your small forwards, especially if our forward line is going to get such limited opportunity. And you talked about Ryan. He's been my most frustrating player alongside Gaff. He's so good. Just play footy. I don't know what he does sometimes. 
he needs to get his head screwed on and, and just go for it because he's so, so good, all Australian good. But we talk about a guy like Langdon, you know, your small forward spot's meant to be smart, uh, spark and flair and creativity, except that's not really his game. And that's okay as long as you're getting it everywhere else. You can afford to carry a bit of a no-nonsense, hard-running tackle sort yeah. of guy. So he's sort of yeah, caught in no man's land as well. You, you kind of wish you could get Langdon's mindset into Ryan. Yeah, that's, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Ryan, and I think Ryan going forward, I think he's 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 a test for um, the way the club approaches things because I think, uh, and Simpson's essentially admitted to it in the past that there's some things that Ryan gets a free pass with, uh, in training and things like that. Okay. Yeah, you, know, you know, I've heard Simpson say, you know, Ryan's not the best trainer, he's not the best runner. As soon as you put the footies out, his eyes light up and he's he's ready to go and he gets. He gets invested, okay. but he 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 needs to um, learn to do the hard work. I mean, we saw, I think it was last year, towards the back end of the year, he did his hammy, and then there was vision of him doing the warm up, and it was it wasn't even half asked what he was doing in the warm up, and it was kind of you see the you see the footage of him warming up, and then he does his hammy, and you go, well, fuck, that's why you're not doing sure. the, okay. yeah. you're not doing the prep. Um, you know, so that's where I think if Ryan, if he's not going to, if he's not going to put the hard yards in at training, then they've got to have the strength to turn around. And say, mate, you've, you, you're playing in the waffle until you what, learn. What surprises me with that, sorry, Case, is is that you know I, when he came in, when he came out of the waffle, the knock on him was sort of in that area of can he become that runner? Can he become a small forward? He's obviously not going to play full-time out of the square in the AFL. People didn't think at the time. He turned into a prolific runner, and he has been at his best a very, very yeah. prolific runner. So I don't doubt the work rate. Like it, Obviously, I appreciate what you're saying about you know, like who am I to knock back what Simo is saying at training. I don't see him train, so how would I know? But I've seen him go for a guy who had fitness questions and beat test questions and all this into a 12, 13K runner off the half-forward flank going up and back and kicking goals all the while he was doing it. Like, I've seen him just be a, a superstar mm. and somebody that you thought, well, pencil him, All-Australian squad for the next two or three years. He's He's got it, mate. I'm not sure what it is. He made All-Australian in 2020 on mm. on that sort of work. You know, yeah, he, was up to, he was coming up to the middle of the ground. He was, you know, putting in tackles and, um, I mean, he's a, he's a brilliant he's a brilliant field kick. He's that that sitting fifty five out fifty out surgical wait 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 who do I that that's who I'll give it to he's our best entry yeah. kick that we've got at his but best he, but he yeah unfortunately this year he's kind of he, he just hasn't hit hit the heights and he's looked largely disinterested so he's a guy that we need to needs to lift and I think um, Rioli's had is is his first year back mm. there's fitness there's you know he had his, he's had Oh, there's personal um, stuff like you wouldn't per- believe. Personal <laughs> stuff, you know, which has really knocked him around. I mean, I've, I do follow him on Instagram and he's still – you he's still stuffed. He's, he's still hurting over his dad. Hmm. Um, so you give him a pass for the back end of the year um, and you've got to give him some credit for actually coming back and played a couple of games when, you know, maybe he might have been better staying off there. But uh, those two guys, Rioli and Ryan would be – probably in the top 10 most exciting players in the comp to watch when they're on song. Um, you know, we get them back and firing and our forward line looks remarkably different. I am outspoken on Rankin, so I get that. But 
I'll, I'll, I'll throw people a bone and include him in this group. But what are we talking? Charlie Cameron, Rankin, if I must, against my better judgment. Toby Green when he's playing small forward rather than playing midfield. Like, who else would you pick over these guys in terms of when what we've seen from them at their best? If they're doing that week in, week out, who would you pick over this combination? No team has two of these guys. Like, yeah, only- no team has two of the best 10, best five, whatever. Yeah. We just need to see. Yeah, I suppose... Shy Bolton sort of in that in that True, group. yeah, whatever you want to call him. Um, but there's, you know, there's not many. I don't. I, <laughs> you know, it's a it's a pretty small group, and most sides don't have two of them. No, exactly right, exactly um, right. Well, and, look, and, and I'm beating the drum. You throw you throw a properly performing pitch into that mix. Um, that's a that's a dangerous group. Well, now this one is, we sort of addressed a lot of the points from it, but this is quite a broad one in terms of things from the coaching side of things, the organizational side of things. And I'll bring in Kim's comment from earlier today, which I've had starred here for a little while. So Kim earlier on the show said as follows, uh, thoughts on the medical team. I'm really worried about the rebuild that it might come to nothing if the medical team are not up to it. I think they really let us down this year. Now, this is something, Keys, that we've seen the club address in little patches here and there. Uh the mail out of the club is never clear for a start. That's the first thing I'd change about them. We love the club. Just tell us what's going on. Just just give us some straight answers. You're not winning any fans or getting any leg up by not being relatively clear with you with your fans. Just let us know what's happening. But yeah, look, they're obviously aware, Keys, that there's some SNC issues. They've talked in the past about trying to address it. Nizzy did a bit of a softball puff piece interview with Ryan Daniels this week, but he did say that there's changes coming from strength and conditioning. What that means, how that looks, we don't know yet, but... I mean, is it that Mineral Resources Park is too hard? Is it that Optus is too hard? Because the Dockers had horrendous injury luck over the last few years. But it's only luck to a point because, what do you know, they changed their S&C guy and they've been more or less healthy this year, had a big bounce back, and it's it's nice and simple on paper like that. But we cannot compete and we can't even – I'm not saying we compete for finals, compete for flags yet this year, next year, but – we can't compete for four quarters if we're putting 16 AFL-ready guys and six sort of fill-ins, 50%, 70% availability. Like we, we just need a system. So where do we go with strength and conditioning? Um, in the off-season, it's the single most important thing that we've got. Uh, Miguel's right with Cosy Pickett. Isn't yeah, Cosy Pickett's a good one. Yep, fair point. Yep. Um, if we don't get our fitness and our durability and availability right... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter a single fuck what else we do. If we don't get those right, we're still going nowhere. Because if we can't, if if the players that we have aren't fit and they're missing games, mm. well then we could have you know we could have the next we could draft the next Petraka, we could draft the next Dusty Martin, Bontempelli, and all we could draft those three guys into our midfield in the off season. and it won't matter as jot a difference if we aren't getting them on the on the ground at Full fitness, so it's the single most important thing we've got to get right. Mm. I, I saw the interview with Nisbet, and he said, "You know, we've got to get." And I mean, they've it's been a bang, it's been a drum they've been beating for the back half of the, or for, you know, the next they've got to get they've got to get fitter and all this sort of stuff. I know Simpson was on Seven News tonight with his um, end of season interview with Ryan Daniels, um, and he said, "Yeah, big pre-season. We've got to, you know, it's going to be, you know, it's big and things like that." The indication was that there wasn't necessarily going to be a change in the personnel in the street. He said, it basically, I'm paraphrasing, but he said three years ago we were at the top of the competition in terms of 
um, fitness and, and things like that, which is okay. which is thereabouts. And he said, those guys are still at the club. So he said, we're going to back him in. So for all the people, for, for all the supporters and things like that, and I include myself in this, that thought, well, shit, we probably need to do a change of staff. I don't doesn't sound like that's going to happen. Mm. Um, so, which, okay, maybe it's not the start. From from the outside, you don't know. You don't know what they're doing. You don't know what the programs are and all those things. So it's really hard to um, to say the staff are doing a shit job when you don't know what they're actually doing. You only see the results, and the results are that we've been we've been decimated from injury. We've, we've had guys that looked um, unfit. And you sort of question, you know, what they're what they're doing. Um, but if they haven't gone through every player's program for the last 12, 24 months and gone, what have we done with each of these guys? And go, what what are the from an individual basis? What are the things that we could have done better? What are the mistakes we made? And then look at that, sit back and have a global view and go, okay, what are the what are the commonalities with these these players? What what are the things that um, you know we might have done? from a collective point of view that have, that's impacted the group as a whole, if we're not doing something like that and reviewing from, Everything. from individual Every and facet. collective basis and just go, right, we need to review our entire program and what we're doing, how we're going about it, um, you know, making a, making a decision as to is the round too hard? Go and talk to, I, I don't know, Perth or a basket close of a waffle club I don't know what their injury situation is like. They train on the same ground, not as sure, often. Yeah, yeah. Not as often, admittedly. You know what? What? You know, are they having issues with some of their players if the training ground's too hard? You know, do we do too much running? Do we run in the wrong place? Do we wear wrong footwear? Um, you well, know, Freo had a lot early, and people were saying, "Is it Optus?" But they've seemingly cleaned up all their hot yeah, spots so, and you know the shin soreness and all know, this crap. Had, We've had injuries this year, which are bad luck. I mean, McGovern getting his ribs broken, that's bad luck. Um, you know, we had guys like Chessa, Chessa yeah, and yeah. Cole with with ankle injuries. Are they bad luck or are they some other oh, sort of thing? look, like, injuries. If you I get rolled think, up on in a game, you get rolled those, up on. Those kind of things are, are more bad luck than bad management. Hmm. Um, Hammy's a bad management. Oscar Allen missing the year. Yeah, Oscar <laughs> Allen. a two-week injury. You, you know that's stress fractures. You know that that lends to surface issues, um, hamstrings, quads, calves. That's more strict. That's management problems. Um, so, and then it's like, well, okay, what's the rehabilitation process like? Are we, you know, will we slow to pick up Alan's injury? You know, mm. should we pick that up sooner? Um, you know, who know? Do we once we picked it up, did we try to bring him back too soon? All I think there's a lot of stuff that we just need to go through. But whatever we do, if we don't at least address our practices without, you know, if we don't change our personnel, um, and I'd, I'd like to think that they go to, um, they get someone from outside the club to say, yeah. this is what this is what we've done. What do you, just, what a are we fresh, doing wrong? just a fresh set of eyes and go, you know, fuck, what do you reckon? You know? So on that, that sort of concept of getting somebody in from external. We've all had a good laugh at Essendon over the last few weeks. Nobody loves a, a club person more than Essendon loves an Essendon person. The club had on record last week, I think it was in the West, there was an article about going outside, getting consultation. Uh, it was for a new chairperson, I think, was specifically in that context. But I will say this about the Eagles. You know, people 
accuse them and very fairly of being insular and you know stick with the same crew for a long time it, it has been part of the core philosophy of the club but also the club has been very successful so I understand why people inside would say what do you want us to do you know why would we change a, a winning formula the point is the formula is currently not winning and we've always had a good history of bouncing back the club don't seem particularly shy in terms of they seem willing enough to go get a consultant or go review this, bring other coaches in from other sports to talk to the group and get a fresh set of eyes on things. I don't think they're quite as insular in some areas as maybe people think. I think in a lot of areas they are unbelievably insular. But they need to get external eyes on S&C, like you said. Get a new chairperson in. We need recommendations. How do we get, instead of just promoting from within and having the same voices we've had for however long, is there somebody else coming in from the outside? There are a few candidates thrown up in the West last week. You know, how do we get just to make sure that you're still in line with best practices? Because as you say, that injury group might have been top of the league three, two, three, four years ago. And through more or less no fault of their own, maybe the, the industry's moved on. Now they've got to keep up with it. Maybe they don't know how far off they are. You know, and, and I don't know. I don't know shit about shit. I don't know anything about S&C. So this is all from the cheap seats. But has the industry moved on and somebody comes along and goes, oh, you guys aren't doing this yet. And it's a more simple fix than it might otherwise appear. You know, I think the club needs to be willing to bring some outside voices in. And in some areas, I think they are. So I guess that's the main thing is they can't just grit their teeth and hope that everybody's going to get on board with a few losing seasons because it's been all right in the past because the list at the moment looks worse than a lot of the lists we've seen bottom out in the past. And and you just wonder like, you know, do, do, how far do you back in the boys has sort of been the whole discussion around this entire fall away and rebuild and all of that. So I don't know, just, just open yourselves up West Coast, tell the fans what's going on and let let people in, whether that's fans, whether that's outside eyes. Just let people into the club. It doesn't need to be the fortress of solitude. Yeah. I've heard there's, I've heard the guy, um, Mark Duffield is a pretty good journalist. He pots the Eagles from time to time and every now and then he lets his little Frio bias he's creep a, in. He's a Frio boy, yeah. But, but, but by and large, he's pretty good. Hmm. And I've heard him more than once talk about how the Eagles watched Melbourne and the Bulldogs train at left lane last year. They could not help them train because they're looking out their fucking window. And he said that the Eagles were taken aback by how intense both those sides trained. Okay. And and he he's said, and it might not be the exact words, but these are along the lines of what he talked about, was the Eagles realised that they needed to up what they were doing because they were behind. And he said that's what they did at the start of this preseason. And he, okay. he had the view that they ramped it up too far too soon and that created some of the problems with our injury list okay. because the players broke down and I think what I've seen that kind of lines up, I don't know if it's right or not, but what you sort of say with like, what's back pressed and I'm pretty sure I actually even say, heard Simpson when he was talking in an interview last year sort of saying, oh geez, you know it was like, hey, I'm watching them train, they go pretty hard, so so yeah it, it is one of those things where if you, you if you look in too often and you don't get people from outside, you don't then you don't see what other people from outside are doing and, and you don't get to say, Okay, well this is how things have shifted mm. and maybe this is what we need to do to catch up. So mm. um I think one of our great strengths as a club since we since Malthouse came in the early nineties and we had Cook and then Nisbet as CEOs and we've generally we had Malthouse, you know, judge for a couple of years, then Malthouse, then Worsfold, and then Simpson. Stability is a great thing, and you've got you don't get our record over thirty five years without being a good organisation, and I think we are. Whereas 
we're as good as any club in the league in terms of success. So the core of that has been we've been stable and we've been professional. The downside of stability is you get this belief that what we is we know best. Yeah. And it's one it's one of the concerns I got from that interview that I saw with Nisbet on with Ryan Daniels. It's kind of like, well, we know best and, and we'll do it because we know because we've done it before. And there's the problem with stability is you can get root bound and you don't you're not you don't open yourself up to new ideas. And you kind of think, well, I'm the one that's going to change it. One of the good things, when we, in 2013, we got stale under Worsfold, and that was a problem. And we had a really, we had a pretty crappy, particularly the back end of 2013 was bad yeah. because yeah. Worsfold was just interested in things like And one of the great, is one of the great things the club did is instead of appointing Sumich as coach, which is what everyone thought was going to happen, we went and we got Simpson and we got someone else with new ideas and all those sorts of things. We got a fresh thing and he brought a new approach to the club and we mm. had we had good success with him. I think now we've sort of, it's been there 10 years and we sort of go back into that pattern where it's like, you know, we're going to back ourselves in because we know what's best. So you need to, somewhere we need to do is just Refresh. Like, yeah, you need... We started it last year. We brought Knights and Schofield in, which I yep. think you've got to give those two guys a mulligan because they didn't really get a change chance to implement the changes that. that Do you know what? Might. I'm almost I'm almost inclined to go further than that and say I'm pretty happy with it on the results of the back half of the year. Now, okay, the wins losses were terrible results, yeah. but Knights Schofield hard edge, consistent attacking football. That's what they wanted. <laughs> Our contested footy picked up, as we talked about before. Like, I'm almost happy to go above, give them a do-over and say, I can see why this is taking – or how this is taking shape. Yeah. So we've got that. And I think, you know, we, we do need to – we do need to uh, – we're going to – there's some off-field – There's some, we're going we're gonna to change your president because Russell Gibbs has to move on. He's, he's, ended, he's ended his term. They've got a maximum term. Um, Ryan O'Brien, that, Ryan O'Brien that... is moving on as list manager at the end of the year. Um, he's retiring, as far as I understand. So we're going to get um, some change in the list and recruiting um, part. Um, but that doesn't—that's sort of the off-field part of our footy department. You know, I'd like to see us. Um, we're sticking with Simpson. That's fine. Um, but we need—we need to encourage some some fresh thinking, and I think. If you don't change the people at the top, like we kept Simpson but changed the people underneath him, I mm. think, say, strength and conditioning, same thing. If you're not going to change the people at the top, get some other people underneath them and say, well, okay, well, let's get let's find some people with some uh, some other ideas and some experience from somewhere else that can come in and change things up. Now, Keys, we're running pretty long, so I might just quickly uh, fire through a couple of these other ones coming through. A few different comments. Uh <laughs> got a few comments from a few different Gregs actually so shout out to all the very many Gregs that are watching this show at the moment uh any news on Castor Castore we never landed on how to pronounce them hopefully they get stuffed any news on them anyway pissing off anytime soon replacing them with a proper shirt sponsor there's a lot of chat around New Balance uh which I don't know for sure where that's at there was some rumors of long sleeve jumpers coming back as well so we'd love to see that we'd love to see New Balance get on board get Kawhi Leonard down the club as well say good day to the boys but it's that's the rebranding side of things where like change the song change the song it's fine change the jumper supplier let's have a fresh start it would be nice to get a little bit of uh clear air away from this era as it were uh another one this is coming from the other greg now one of the other gregs in the comment 
Uh, very quickly, Keys, your thoughts on Nizzy talking about we have the salary cap for Luke Jackson, allegedly. I don't remember really hearing the club talking about trade targets too often. I don't think they're going to be doing too much in trade, you know, discussions. I think we're going to take our picks. Luke Jackson, we're just a stalking horse, aren't we, for Freo to up their price? Yeah, I think I sort of took those comments from from Nisbet with a little bit of a grain of salt. I think I you never really know with salary caps. I don't think we've got huge amounts. I think if Jackson came to us and said, I think if he came to us and said, you know, I want to come here, I think Desperate. we would have found room in the salary cap. Yeah. Um, I think we might have had to do some juggle things. Things with salary caps is everyone talks about it. No one outside. I reckon there would be, if I had a guess, I reckon you're probably talking about maybe 12 to 15 people in the football club as a whole that know the true salary cap position. And we've got seven people on the board, so that's seven on them. Um, so Do you reckon I reckon Simo would know, Nisbet would know, list manager would know, maybe one or two other people. I reckon in terms of what football clubs keep secret, mm. that the position of their salary cap would be one of the tightest things. The last thing you want as a football club is it being common knowledge about what your salary cap is because if a player manager knows you've got room, mm. they know that they what they can push Extra for. Extra hundreds. Going. There, there is no way fucking knowing that my – and one thing I've said it before – one thing West Coast are absolutely elite at is keeping secrets. Yeah, too right. I mean, it fucking frustrates the hell out of us from time to time. So, but I, I reckon that Nisbet saying we've got salary cap room for Jackson, um, it was pretty unconvincing in terms of what, as much as anything, I think he's just keeping free, or honest. Yeah, agreed. The comments and, are very much, oh, Melbourne's still playing and, you know, we'll talk to them when yeah. their season's finished. I mean, Deal's you, already done. Deal's already done. I mean, I would have been fucking pissed off majorly if he turned around and said, yeah, no, we're not interested. True. That would be the worst thing he could have said. So, you know, we um, we saw when we were trying to get Kelly, Peter Bell was hanging around like a fart in an elevator. <laughs> um, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, we're still here, we're still here. You know, he was like, fuck off, Peter, piss off. Um, I reckon Nisbet's doing, he's saying, yeah, well, you can drop a fart in the elevator. We're going to put a shit in the corner. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We've had it all this episode. We have the sweaty octopus and the all that. Good stuff. There you go. Uh, right. Any parting thoughts then, I suppose, on season in review keys? Beyond just saying it was the worst season ever and it can yeah. get in the bin. I think if season review and it's, it sort of folds into the Castori situation, I think one of the things was there was some there was reasons behind how shit our season was. Um, I think the real danger is that the club turns around and goes, oh, we had bad luck with injuries, we had bad luck with COVID, and that this year was an aberration. And rather than a an acceleration of a pre-existing decline, mm. so I'm, I'm, I'm worried about that. But what in terms of things that I'm really disappointed is as much as the season was really shit and there was some big – is there was – Controllable things that the club fucked up on, and things that if we're if things were running smoothly, you know, running that they got nothing to do with COVID, they got nothing to do with injuries, you know, things like you know Patrick Nash running out in a lotto number jumper, yeah, um, each week, you know, the the AFLW the the girls side, um, you know, they didn't have a pride jumper. We're the only club that didn't have a pride jumper. Uh, we did do a new Indigenous jumper this round. Um, we had fucking bizarre CEO emails that never really addressed the problems. It was just like, um, you know, stick with us. We're trying, you know. It was just like, oh, please come to the I mean, I've never seen a club beg please show us to come to games before. Yeah, um, 
you know, the the hippie club debacle, as much as it was a problem the players got, I think the club handled like they they hang those players out to, to dry a little bit rather than sort of closing ranks around about them and you know, little controllable things that just the ongoing you know, Miguel's listening obviously because he's posting in the ongoing fight <laughs> Miguel has with um, the social media team over the announcement of injuries. I mean, just about every fucking week we get an injury report comes out on a Tuesday and then the team gets announced on Thursday and we find out, like, yeah, by the way, there was those injuries that we knew about on Tuesday but mm. we didn't tell you about till Thursday. I mean, By the way, Connor West's broken his wrist, but we didn't put it in the injury list, but yeah, he's out for the season. Oh, yeah. We, you know, we do an injury report on a Tuesday. Jake Mortimer went to the hospital on Monday to have a clean, neat clean out. Not and we it. tell you about it on Thursday. You know, shit like that, you know. It's just they're little things, but it just gives the thing that what I said to Paul before, oh, the club knows best. It's kind of like that's what pisses people off. That mm. It's like, well, you know, be better at shit like that. And then maybe when... If you're better at that sort of shit, when you come to a bad season and you say, trust us, we know what we're doing, you've got you've got a cornerstone to say, okay, we'll believe you because yeah, you know, you've got all your you've got all your other ducks in a row and you're up front with us about the little shit. So when, when you want to spin a yarn about the big stuff, well then we believe you and you have faith. So that's out of all the crap that with this season, that's just about the most disappointing thing is is you know, fucking be honest about stuff and clean up the little crap that yeah. that needs to control be what up. you can control. Exactly. Yeah. Let us in, just let us in. Like that's the worst thing. the The worst thing in the world is that the Eagles fans want to know about the Eagles. We want to know when your preseason games are on. We'd like to know that there's a waffle game coming up. Now, of course, there is. No one's naive to the fact that there is. Do a preview. Update the website. Tell us who plays for our waffle team. The worst thing in the world is that fans want to know about your club. So just let us know it. And I know yes. there's uh, tactical reasons perhaps behind the high. You know, maybe you don't want people to know that Nick Nat's out this week. I get that. But we're, we were 2-20 and 20 for the year. You know, we were staring down the barrel of the worst season in AFL history at one point. And they're hiding things about that, Connor West's that, availability. That. Just... Name me, name me one club in the back half of the year that gave a single shit about who they were, what our 22 was going to be. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So control what you can control. Let us in. Absolutely. That's it. Well, look, guys, one more thing before we wrap up uh, for the week. The AFLW does kick off this weekend as well. The Eagles play Port, another expansion side. Keys, the... Women's program this year is almost doing somewhat of a soft reset, I guess. And and we spoke about this on the time of the draft, but they've shipped out a lot of lot of list churning, you know, a lot of familiar faces as well. And almost cornerstones of the program over the last few years, they've replaced them with a lot of kids, a lot of locals as well. Um, <laughs> Ella Roberts, I sort of, I don't feel bad for her. I think she's in a great spot, but the, you know, the, the pressure on her shoulders or the, the title, the crown that's been put on her head as, as here's who we're looking after. Here's who we're looking for in the, in the future. But, you know, Port Adelaide expansion side, you think maybe they take a little minute to find their feet. They've got some talent as well. A few familiar faces for those who've been watching the AFLW for a few years as well. Um, Houghton's come across to them from Freo. They've got Aaron Phillips in. So there's a club there, but equally for the team in terms of the Eagles that won the Wooden Spoon last year, not the worst game to be starting on. And, uh, you know, this Saturday... Hopefully you can either get down there or, or watch the game and fingers crossed, I guess, for the Eagles because Eagles fans need a win at the moment and coming into a bit of a reboot season, I guess, Keys, it's, it's a good opportunity at least for them to to kick things off and, and give us something. Yeah, it'd be nice to see the um, girls get off off on a good good start. Um, yeah. It'll bring 
you know, I think, you know, they've had, I've had their challenges. I think it was, you know, the AFLW's spread pretty thin for talent. It's a, you know, it's a, you know, it's a competition that's, that they're trying to build from the top down. Um, so, you know, in, it's the sort of thing where I think in 10 years' time, it'll look a lot, it'll look a hell of a lot different to what it looks now because you'll have these girls that are 10 and 11 years old now that say, I see these girls at the top level and I want to be like them. Yes. And they'll have that, they'll have that grounding and they'll have, um, they'll have that sort of years of footy as juniors coming through. So the standard will only get, will only get better. Um, but at the moment, you know, it, it's hard for clubs to find 16 players of genuine quality. And I think that's, mm. especially for the expansion sides, it is trying to get, get players from wherever and they're getting younger, you know, young girls to come in that, yeah, in the future they they wouldn't be ready, but for now that's what they've got to work with. Um, so good luck to them. Hope they can have a win. Yeah. Um, maybe you know if they can sort of if they can sort of do get the right things with the with the girls. Um, and yeah, you can sort of see okay, well some things they're working with the girls, but I've improved some stuff with them from from a wooden spoon year. Maybe you turn around and go okay, well there's you know let's hope for the hope for the blokes as well. The beauty of it, I suppose, as well, is it's a bit of a reset for them, like I said, and they've moved on a lot of, not veterans, but certainly, you know, talent that they've had. But as you say, you're starting to see the girls coming through now who have been playing juniors whilst the AFLW has been a thing, or, you know, have been playing juniors the whole way through. So there should be a lot more, quote unquote, natural football talent coming in. And yeah, it's going to be a young side and there'll be, you know, teething problems, finding their feet and all of that stuff. But to be honest, there is actually quite a lot of hope. And if you almost consider this a return to year zero, you know, they've learned some lessons over the last couple of years and then now we're really having a hit at it. I think there's reason to be excited. And certainly, as you say, look, it's intent and it's give the Eagles fans some hope. You know, if, if we can reboot the women's side, maybe we can reboot the men's side alongside it. And who knows where we're going in a few years from now, we might be looking at a dynasty on both fronts. So best of luck to them on Saturday. And uh, we'll be looking at a few AFLW sort of themed episodes or, or segments, I suppose, coming up in the next couple of weeks as well. But otherwise, beyond that, guys, I reckon we might leave things there. So Keys, thank you very much for jumping on the show, sharing your thoughts. Yeah, no worries. Probably went a bit longer than what we thought we were going to I can't do. believe we talked for that long. I thought we'd just say, yeah. shit, thanks for watching. But no, it was, yeah. we actually had a, had so, a fair bit. So the ones, that, the ones that were here for the start, thanks for sticking through an hour and 20 minutes with us. Absolutely. Um, hopefully um, it wasn't too boring. It, uh, and we'll, we'll talk. There's some list changes and, uh, and, and Christmas comes early this year on uh, November 28 or whatever it is. Absolutely. So, yeah, look, guys, I mean, end of the Eagles AFL regular season, but uh, I suppose the good stuff from the men's point of view starts now in terms of list changes and drafting and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> we will do a bit of a – there you go, Keys. If Keys makes it through to the off-season, you might have a late. <laughs> yeah, we've got, we've got all that good off-season stuff coming up as well. So we'll do the odd show here and there. It might not be weekly throughout the whole off-season, but when there's news, we'll bring it to you. Thank you guys, honestly, for everybody who's watched us or listened or commented or shared the show or anything. It's been a dog shit year for the Eagles. You know, it's really been a tough year for the fans and, and watching along. But, you know, you've been here most weeks with us, listening along, sharing your thoughts, jumping in the comments, and, and we do appreciate it because it's kind of nice, I guess. It's kind of refreshing. It gives you something to come back to at least and keep you invested because, uh, Keys, it's not been the best year, but it's still been, weirdly enough, I think, a pretty fun year on the podcast. So thank you to yourself and thank you to everybody I mean, there'll be time to thank everyone, but Miguel, Bender, 
Uh, Axial Matt came on. Mr. KK came on. We had the trade and draft guys at the front of the year in terms of Monocle came on, I believe, and Asterix and all those sorts of guys. So fantastic to see from for the bit of the regular crew. And, and thank you, everybody, for the regular listeners, regular viewers. Stick with us in the off-season, and hopefully there's a, a few more things to chat you know, in the next couple of weeks, next couple of months. Yep, and whatever happens between now and the draft and all that, just thank God we're not fucking Essendon. That's it. That's the message. There's one thing you can take away. I believe players this year are being drafted who were not born when Essendon last won a final. I believe that if the Essendon final streak was a person, they would be eligible to drive maybe today, maybe next week, something like that. So, yeah, we're all right. We're not in a great place, but we're not in the worst place. We're all right. Anyway, thank you guys very much for sticking with us. Keep with us in the off-season as well. Uh, We'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Bye.